So we're going to talk a little bit more tonight about concentration. And um, I'm going to do it in a, some of it in a talk form and some of it in question and answer form and we'll just see how it unpacks itself. What I really want is for it to be useful to you in your own practice. Um, that seems, I mean, the whole topic of concentration can get pretty esoteric and we can get interested in various altered states of consciousness and that kind of thing. Um, but I think when the Buddha wanted people to learn how to concentrate the mind, he really was wanting us to be concentrated so that we could see clearly and see into the nature of our experience. So here's a description of concentration just to start with. It says, when the mind reaches concentration, it's firm and unwavering because it's totally neutral. It doesn't waver when the eye sees a form the ear hears a sound, the nose smells an aroma, the tongue tastes a flavor, the body feels a tactile sensation, or an idea comes to the mind. None of these things can make the mind waver when it's concentrated. It maintains just a really high level of purity. This is called right concentration. This is a description from Tanisaro Bhikkhu, for those of you who know his writings. So we've been working with this list, this um, list that has the factors of what are called, it's called transcendental or liberative dependent origination. It's a big title. But it's all about what's important for our waking up. And so we've talked about working with suffering in a way that um, is transformative and we've talked about having confidence and a certain amount of delight and joy and tranquility and happiness. And I've been pointing out over and over again, I'm beginning to feel a little like a broken record, that all of these things that sound like a lot more fun come before concentration. And that's really important. They're considered to be conditions for concentration, delight, joy, tranquility. And it's really important to remember that because when we often get the notion that we're going to concentrate the mind, it's a little like, um, you know, you grit your teeth and you clench your fists and you get a little tight in the body and by God, I'm going to concentrate. And that's actually not that's not the, you know, the, none of that's on the list as a condition for concentration, you know, which is really good news. And it is a way in which the mind is steady and composed and as in this description I read to you, it's unwavering. It doesn't matter, you know, the people go running by doing their laps you notice, oh, hearing, or maybe you don't like it, there's a little aversion, you might notice that. But the mind just stays steady. It doesn't go off into a story about why did Vipassana Santa Cruz rent space next to a gym and what were they thinking and, you know, couldn't it have been, you know, something else, another retreat center or something quieter or whatever. And so you just are able to stay really 
present, or sometimes on Tuesdays when we're in here at noon, the machine shop people are over there, and boy, they really can make a racket, you know, like hammering away on their things, and sometimes it's lunchtime, and they've got their radios and their conversations, and um, it's not exactly a peaceful meditation center, so it really takes a certain amount of concentration for the mind to be steady, unwavering, and to stay present with just what is. The, the item on the list, the next factor after concentration, which I think is important to know, is the knowledge and vision of things as they are, is how it's described. I, I really like the, the name, the knowledge and vision of things as they are. So really what this is saying is that concentration is really going to help us see clearly so that we see exactly things as they are, that we see impermanence, how impermanent everything is, that we see the nature of self or lack thereof, depending on how you're holding it, and that we begin to see deeply into the nature of our own suffering. These are the things that the, the Buddha is pointing toward. And, and so in order to be able to see this, it is really important that the mind be steady and composed. And the knowledge and vision of things as they are isn't actually the last thing on the list. You haven't arrived when you get there. And it said it's a little like you're hacking your way through the jungle. And any of you who've practiced for any amount of time know that practice sometimes feels that way. You know, you're struggling along through the forest and pushing the branches out of the way and falling into the mud. And finally you come up on this little rise and it's, you know, it's, you're a little bit above the trees and you can see, and you can see, oh, over there, that's where I want to go. This is cool, you know, you really begin to see. And it's not that you're there yet. It's pretty clear that you have to go back down into the jungle and you continue to hack your way through for a while. But you have some sense of the clarity of the goal of being able to, to mm, see something more clearly if you can just get a little closer to it. So it's, it's, it's a really important place in practice. And any of you who've, who've had that experience I think of, because I am something of a hiker and backpacker, and you know, I think of those experiences when you come up high and, and you can see your goal, and then, but you see, okay, the trail's going to go down, and then it's going to wind around through the forest, and oops, it's going to go up and down over that ridge, and there's quite a lot of work ahead. But it takes a certain amount of focus just to get to the point where you can look ahead. So. Did anybody have a really concentrated set? Yeah? Heidi's nodding her head. Yeah? You want to say anything more about it? Oh, most of that was just working with the sensations in the body. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pretty steady. Pretty steady. Yay. This is the retired woman speaking. <laughs> so, anybody else? Yeah, okay. I thought I had a really good set, but I also had to check myself to make sure I wasn't asleep. Ah. They started going back and counting practice, and I do my counting. Can I get 10 and then go back and count backwards? Mm -hmm. Or am I counting? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. 
right? Because last week I actually fell asleep. Uh huh. Right. Sometimes things get pretty quiet, right? And they get quieter and quieter, and then you realize, oh, (laughs) when you wake up, I wasn't really concentrated. It wasn't really quiet. I was just having a snooze. It's great, you know. One of my teacher, one of my teacher friends, says that the best sleep he gets anywhere is the sleep on the cushion. So, you know, it does happen. So it's not so easy to focus the mind because what happens? We sit down on the cushion and all of us have had a day today, right? You had your work, you had your life, you had the people who came and went, you had the difficult emails. And tomorrow, maybe there's the, you know, I know I have a couple of phone calls I have to make that I don't particularly want to make. And, you know, so the mind starts either going back over where you've been or going ahead to where you're going or the surroundings aren't compatible, and, and so it can get pretty wiggly. And, and having develop any, developing any level of concentration in the context of a daily practice is actually not so easy. It's really not so easy. And it takes a certain amount of attention to create a space in our practice where we actually settle and are quiet for a period of time. And I know in my own life that the ability to do that when I can actually serves the rest of my life well. There's, there's something about composing and settling the mind for a period of time that it's like it creates a foundation of composure from which I can then go out and meet other things in my day or I can touch back in on it and taste it a little bit. So working with concentration in everyday life practice is probably one of the most important things you can do. So we talked about some of them at the beginning, right? Heidi mentioned staying with the sensations of the body. Fabulous practice. The first of the foundations of mindfulness, giving attention to the awareness of the body. And one of those is the breath, right? So there's all kinds of ways of being with the breath. You know, you can just give attention to the nostrils or the belly or the chest. You can count breaths and you can go in, out, one, in, out, two, up to ten. And then you can go back and start at one. Or if you're having fun, like Rich was, you can go in, out, one, in, out, two, up to ten. And then you can go in, out, nine, in, out, eight, in, out, seven. And if you lose track anywhere along the line, you're fired. You go back to one and you start over again, right? And so that can sometimes get a little discouraging if you're having a bad night. But it also can be a really strong way to develop some steadiness and some focus. We talked a little bit about working with the inner ear sound. Is there anybody here who does that at all? Yeah, Rich? Yeah? Yeah? So, so working with that inner ear sound, which, you know, it's not, we're not having a medical conversation about what is it exactly. What we know is that most people have some inner ear sound. And it can be louder or softer. But the really wonderful thing is that it's always there. And it can be used in combination with the breath or it can be used separately as a place to rest the mind so that, again, you develop some steadiness. So. The body actually is what provides us with the, the strongest ways to stay concentrated. There are others. 
There are traditional ways in Theravadan practice that we, I have not used, I don't teach, involving images of colored discs and that kind of thing, where you put your mind on one thing and you keep it there. But that's really the underlying notion of all concentration, is really settling the mind on one thing and then doing your best to keep it there for you know, as much time as you can. And if you wander off, then you bring it back. And that's what creates that kind of foundation of steadiness, of clarity, of unwavering attention. So that when different events arise, there's not so much reactivity. Because it's the reactivity that creates the problem. It's the reactivity that takes us out into our stories, that says, I like it, I really want it, I want more of it, how am I going to get more? Or it takes us into our aversion, and I don't like it, and how do I get rid of it? And, and then, you know, the mind is, gets not only wiggly, but kind of a mess as we um, get caught in our reactivity. And the, what the Buddha is saying is, when you can just sit with your experience just as it is, just letting it be. What is this thing that's happening? What is this event that I call hearing? Or this event that I call cold? Or this event that I call sadness? And really sitting with it and allowing it to be just what it is so that it unpacks itself in a way. And we come to see it and then we see it more clearly and that's the place where insight sometimes begins to arise. So I think I'm going to stop there for a minute and see if you have questions about your own work with concentration or things you've heard about it or whatever, you know, and see where we go from there. We'll let you help create the talk for a few minutes here. So please, Rich. I'm just going to ask you some questions about how you develop concentration. Uh-huh. I think of it as, you know, when you open a book, um, are you in a place in your mind where you can actually get into the book, understand what it is, keep mm-hmm. track of where you are, and as you're reading, absorb what you're reading, understand, and actually enjoy what you're reading. Right. That to me, I, that, and I have that sense that I'm concentrated. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. Um, and when I'm in meditating, um, I also do look at what depth of, of concentration I'm in. You know, can I, can I feel the pulse? The last one is the most important, actually. You can get sometimes that place of, well, can I feel the pulse in my fingers? Can I feel my heartbeat? That one's really tricky because if you can feel your heartbeat for a while and then you can't feel your heartbeat, it can very rapidly lead into melodrama. So I would be, I'm really careful about pulses and heartbeats. But can I stay with my experience just as, I, as it is? That's actually a pretty good assessment of, of your concentration. But what's also true, although maybe this is more true in the retreat setting than it is here, is that your subjective assessment is not always so good. Um, because 
sometimes you're way more concentrated than you think you are and it's actually only in getting up and beginning to move around that you realize how settled and how still the mind was. But making that effort to stay present with what is, the breath, the body, the mind, the heart, moment to moment, just what's here in that moment, and really noticing, oh look, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. And it's that funny place of, you can't get too excited because you're doing okay, because then you're gone in the story again, right? Whoa, wow, fabulous meditation, chalk this one, I think I should set the three-month retreat. Pretty soon you're gone again, right? Because it's cool. So you have to be, you kind of notice, oh, I'm, I'm balancing. And, and I think of sometimes often a balance beam. It's a, it's a really good image, you know. All of us have walked on logs or curbs or that kind of thing. And if you get too excited that you're doing it, what happens? You fall off, right? So, and it's true when you're walking on logs and it's true in meditation, the best thing to do is kind of laugh a little and get back on and... So that place of, oh, okay, doing pretty well, that's about as much as you should allow yourself and then just keep going. Yeah? Yeah. Some of the rest of you. Please, Andrea. Just as you were saying that, um, I flashed on that movie, Nan and Wire. Mm-hmm. Oh. And did many places like that around the world. And it's just fascinating, of course, because he's doing this without any safety. And, you know, there is the, the skillfulness of him really studying what he is going to be doing. It's not just that he'll try and then he'll be pretty good at it. So there's definitely the, the knowledge base. But that, to me, is just beyond what Mm-hmm. And yeah. and there's a easefulness in which he seems to be able to have while being that concentrated. And I imagine, like most tightrope walkers, it's not he's not just absolutely vertical, straight on all the way across, right? There's always that shifting, balancing, poles that that you're always adjusting and that's actually really important to remember that our our practice of staying really present it's not a static thing there's that constant need to you know a little more no relax a little you know the wind, the wind things are changing this is a difficult you know perhaps it's a difficult one some there's sounds we had on tuesday when we were here there was um a family that got out of a car outside and the kid had a meltdown. And it wasn't clear for a little bit, you know, what was going on, were the parents being kind to the child, were they being mean, you know, and, and you could kind of feel it in the room. Everybody was like, should we open that door and stick our heads out and make sure the kid's all right? The kid's screaming and shrieking and carrying on. And finally, the father, you could hear his voice. But that's a very difficult thing you know obviously I was paying some attention to what was going on out there and but you have to kind of adjust your concentration under those circumstances to stay present with what is in the room your own feelings your own fear for some people I'm sure it triggered some stuff that would come up 
So then you have to adjust where you are in order to stay present, right? So, so it's, it's that, there is that constant shifting, yeah. Please, Ted. I think it's like uh, when you say, um, um, oh, I'm doing this, it's not that, it's I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. You have to do it without it's getting. Observation yeah. Of what you're doing, but you just have to do it. Again. Yeah. 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 Totally. There was another hand over here someplace. Did I see? No. Yeah. Please. Just and then my. You know, I found actually I was doing something similar, and you know, as soon as I began to articulate that I'm doing this, I'm not doing it anymore. Right. And that's, that's a great deal. That's, that's a nice point that both of you are making because the art of the practice is to not, you know, to just stay right present with whatever is happening in the moment and, and not to get caught in any descriptive, any praise, any judgment, any comment. And the minute you do that, you're kind of off already, right? And so it's that... Just, can I just stay here? Just knowing, because I always think it's so interesting to remember this, that even the art, even the act of perception, you're already a little out of the present moment, right? By the time it's in the brain, that moment's gone. So we're always, there's always that little lag time. But, but as best we can, staying right. Just, just this experience, just this sensation, just this throbbing in your heart, whatever it is. Maya, you had a question. Well, I was thinking that it's also just um, as soon as you recognize, there I am, wasn't I? <clears throat> that you get right back to it mm-hmm. and don't start analyzing or cursing the fact that, <laughs> <laughs> damn, there I go again. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> Right. Don't spend it. Don't waste it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just. Just. Get back on the line. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Because it's that it it's that place of staying present, softening into our experience. One of the some of the best instructions for concentration mm-hmm. really involve words like soften relax, let go into your experience. So again, notice that these are not push, strain, you know, all those kinds of things. It's really relax into your experience, soften into your experience, just be there with it. And that's actually the way to develop the deepest concentration. It's not about efforting. Efforting, I can't say this often enough, Efforting is death to concentration. It will really, there's, there's a certain wise use of energy, but the minute you get into straining or pushing, really got to get someplace, you are toast. Um, so, please.
Um, other than counting the breath and the could you maybe reiterate some of the different kind of objects of concentration? Because I felt like I ran through all of them this evening and still nothing was working. So, but I, I think I only have about five in my mind. So, well, for most people, the breath is a really good place. You want you want to pick one thing. There are times when sound, external sound, can be helpful, but it tends to make the mind a little spacey. So it's not always so useful. Sometimes the entire body, the sensations of the body, can be helpful. But the narrower the focus can get, the stronger the concentration will be in the end. And so also then this inner ear sound that I mentioned. So there's not a whole lot in lots of ways. Um, And if you find yourself running through them, um, chances are you're having kind of a restless evening. It may not be the best evening for concentration. It may also be a time to kind of open the field of awareness and just let it be broader and gentler and kinder and not to beat yourself up if you're not having um, a great concentration evening. Concentration, concentration, concentration is a conditioned state and that means it will arise when the conditions are right. And there are conditions that are not supportive of concentration. So some of you may have had, like I can remember years and years ago, I was in a really difficult time in my marriage and I thought I was going to go off and sit a six-week retreat. Now, as luck would have it, um, I decided that was not a good idea and that it was better to come home and work on my marriage, which was a good thing because it survived and we're very happy. But there were people later who thought, said, what were you thinking? You would have had a terrible time. And it's true. You know, you go in, you sit down, you've had a really bad conversation or you've been to the doctor that day and they've, he's given you news that you didn't want to hear or whatever, and then you go sit on the cushion and you expect to be concentrated? I don't think so, you know? It's just not going to happen. And so that might be a time when you do more loving-kindness practice or, or open the field of awareness to other things and don't worry so much about getting concentrated. So it, it can be a little bit, you know, I, I often think of, because mindfulness practice is not all concentration. So this is a great question, actually. So you can think of it some, as being like having a telephoto lens on your camera, right? And sometimes you can take the lens right down, just up close. You can watch the hairs in your nose blowing in the breeze and just see the, feel and experience the tiniest sensations and be really, and your concentration is fabulous. And other times you have to take the lens way out. So you get the whole picture. And it's crazy. There's seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, all kinds of thinking. You're, you just, there's restlessness, there's aversion, there's doubt. It's all there. And all you can go do is go, oh my God. You know, it's the whole catastrophe. And that, but then you're still mindful. See, that's the great thing. You can be mindful even when you're not totally concentrated. The concentration is 
in service of seeing really, really clearly. And so it helps to develop it, but it's not the only thing. Yeah? Yeah. So just be kind to yourself. Sounds, you were here. Nobody got up and ran screaming out of the hall, right? I mean, that's really the point. You know, if you, if you manage to make it to the end of the sit, that's fabulous. And you've done a really great job. And I used to think, ah, they're just putting me on when they say that. But actually, as life has gone on, and I've learned that the ability to sit and stay still for the 45 minutes, for the weekend retreat, for the 10-day retreat, whatever it is that you're doing, and you just keep doing it no matter what, is so useful in your everyday life. It really, really serves you well. You know, you end up being able to stay with things long enough to figure out what you need to do. So, I found a poem this morning. I'm going to end with it. So this is a poem. It's from Rumi, and it's a bit about concentration. I might say a couple of things after I read it. But he says, What I most want is to spring out of this personality and then to sit apart from that leaping. I've lived too long where I can be reached. I've lived, I've lived too long where I can be reached. So that's the thing, right? When we're not concentrating, we're where we can be reached all the time. The phone can ring, your iPod can chirp at you, whatever, you know. And we're, we're constantly going out to this, going out to go, going out. And what he's really pointing out is that place where we can settle sometimes, where we can't be reached even by our own personality. So think about it. So let me make just a couple of announcements. One is um, we're seasoning four new board members. And um, thanks, Denny. Thank you so much. Um, So what that means is these people have been nominated to be on the board. If there's any reason that any of you can think of that they shouldn't be, you should let us know. This has never happened in all our years of seasoning people, but, you know, it could. So, none of them, one of them is here tonight. Andrea Wells, over there. So, you know, she looks okay to me, but you never can, as I say, you can't tell. Um, John Rovacamp, who often sits with us at the city. Diana Durid biande and Hannah Mira. So those are the four names. And then... Um, The only important thing is that Sunday, this Sunday, we're having a half day sitting here. It will, we're having a half day. It's not exactly sitting. It will start with the 9.30 sitting, which will have refuges and precepts, as it always does on this particular Sunday of the month. And then it will be followed by a period of cleaning the temple. So Denny and I have been talking about what can be done and we hope that there'll be a goodly crew of people be happy to stick around for about an hour to work on assorted cleaning projects. We figure if we had 15 or 20 people working for one hour, that's 15 or 20 hours of work, and that's actually quite a lot for something like this. So if you have some time on Sunday, we'll be doing that. We'll be talking about mindfulness as we work, how it is to work in a mindful way. So it will be, that will be the practice component Uh, might be using a mindfulness spell or something to bring us back periodically. 
And then at the end of our hour of work or hour and a quarter of work, we'll take a few minutes together for our reflection and, and settling back in. And then we'll end the morning. But there's an optional piece that anybody who wants to bring a lunch will hang around and have a shack lunch together and, and visit for a bit. So it's a chance to be a little bit social and do some work together, but also to practice. So if that's interesting. I hope you'll be here at 9.30 on Sunday morning. Other than that, there's other flyers over there. Um, Bill, do you want to say anything about Donna? How are we doing? Do you want to give a report quickly? Bill is our treasurer. He's hiding over here in the, in the library. Ah, great. So uh, for those of you who are supporting both the teaching and the Sangha, the baskets are there, and um, you're welcome to do so. Please, my. I just wanted to share something that many of you may already know about, maybe I'm just a latecomer, but a friend recently sent me um, some information about Panhala, and maybe some of About? Panhala. It's mm. P-A-N-H-A-L-A. You, you know the whole Yeah. It comes as an email free. And there's a beautiful photograph, and then below is a poem by somebody like Hafiz or oh. uh, Mary Oliver or Octavio Paz. It's really wonderful. She sent me one. It took me a while with my lack of computer skills to get it um, to work. And I asked for help, and the fellow wrote back and said it probably had something to do with your spam filter. For whatever reason, the gremlin in the computer decided to be kind, and the next day they started coming, and they've been coming since. I don't think they come on the weekend, but it's a lovely way to start your computer time. Great. Because they're very peaceful, they're all about nature and power. Panhala? Panhala. Just Google Panhala. P-A-N-H-A-L-A. Okay. So that we can go to the APOD, and then we can go to Panhalet, and you have the cosmos, and you have the poetry, and what more? All right, let's end with just a little bit of loving-kindness practice. So sit in a way that's totally comfortable for you if you need to shift a little. Bring yourself back into your body, and in some simple way, with an image, with the breath, with a phrase, extend, extend some goodwill and kindness into your own being might be a phrase like, may I be peaceful, may I be happy. And then let yourself be aware of all of us gathered here in this room. Please include anyone who needed to leave early. And extend a similar kind of friendliness around the room to each person here. Again, it can be with your breath or with an image or with a phrase. Wishing each person well, happiness, ease of being. And then let your awareness go on out to the people that you know and love, people that you live with, that you work with, 
extending your friendliness and goodwill to each one of them in their particular situations. And then on out around the world so that we hold the whole planet with our goodwill and friendliness, all the people, all of the beings. And then on out even farther into the cosmos to all beings in all dimensions and all realms. And then last of all, we gather up all of the goodness, all of the benefit of our practice together this evening. And we take all of this and allow it to nourish us. And then we give it away and we offer it to all of these beings that all beings may be happy, that all beings may be peaceful, and that all beings everywhere may come to a complete ending of suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.